So would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have, the space we have to gather together and to um, worship. It's, it's about you. It's not about us. I was reminded of that this morning as we sang these songs, just the guitar and so many beautiful voices. Even if they can't sing well, they're beautiful. Um, worshiping you. I pray that you would give us um, clarity in these next moments about our lives and about your way. It is better. Help us to learn from you what we need and help us to apply it to our lives this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is really good to have you here, Cresona 930, and those of you that are in Tremont, welcome. It was so cool for me, personally, just to be up there hanging out with you guys last Sunday, seeing your faces again, sitting on the comfy chairs, and uh, way better than these chairs. So it's good to have you, Tremont, and for all of you, just to be aware, August 27th, we are having a big church-wide, all-campus-wide, everybody-show-up event. It's a Sunday, it's a picnic, it's going to run from 11 to about 3, and tons of games for the kids, games for the grown-ups, good food. Um, it's just going to be an awesome time. It's important because, like... You don't know your whole family. We got family in Tremont. We got family over here. You got family in the 11 o'clock service. They love to sleep in and show up late. It's that kind of family, but it's, they're cool and amazing people. And uh, so we're having like this big event just for all of us to be together, hang out. I can't wait to just spend some time with all of you, not in this kind of format, um, just like doing life and hanging out a little bit. So mark your calendars, August 27th. It's going to be an important and big day for us as a church. We're jumping into this next message in our People Problems series. You have people problems? I got people problems. Don't look at the person next to you and shake your head and point. That's rude, even if it's true that most of your people problems are sitting in your general vicinity. Don't. Do it. Um, we're jumping into this next, uh, next message in this series, and this message is titled, Your Circle Matters. Your Circle Matters. And if you have your Bibles and you're, you're going to want to follow along at some point or your phones, you have a Bible app on your phone, I use the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. It's awesome. It's amazing. they got tons of cool stuff on there. Um, if you want to pull that open, we're going to end up in Mark chapter 2, we'll hit a couple other verses as well, but we're going to end up in Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. I was really wrestling with which message to bring next in our series. We have them all outlined and kind of sketched out, and I was, you know, I've kind of been trying to figure out, um, get, getting back into the groove of things here. This summer's been a little crazy, and uh, and one of, our, uh, one of our guys on our elder team sends out an encouraging text message every day, and it referenced this story, and I was like, all right, all right, God, we'll do that one. Um, so I'm excited about this one. It's so important. Your circle matters. There may be few things as true as this, that one of the most important things in your life is your circle, the people that you're closest to, your friends, the, the people you spend the most time with. 
And there are few things in life that will impact your life as much as your circle. The, the quality of your life, the blessings you experience in your life, the fullness of your life, how good your life is, is directly correlated with who's in your circle. I've heard it said before, and I think it's true. I've said it multiple times, something I've said to my kids uh, many times as they have grown up, and that is that you can, uh, it was said like this, I can predict your future by just looking at your friends. And the, the longer I live, even though there have been times where I did not want that to be true or have ignored that kind of statement, the, the longer I have lived, the more I have seen that played out time and time and time again in people's lives. You can predict where your life is headed by just looking at your circle. I think that's because we consume what surrounds us. And we become what we consume. You ever see those trends on social media? They're all over TikTok and Instagram. And uh, I know none of you spend any time scrolling on any of those things. You got so much more important things to do. <laughs> Have you seen those trends like one, one day, one week, one month, one year? Have you seen any of those? It'll be like one day watching Yellowstone. Like you're going out and you're kind of like buying a bandana and you know and then one month into Yellowstone you're wearing Wrangler jeans and you bought a cowboy hat and one year into watching Yellowstone you got spurs on and you're calling everybody bud or something you know like you ever see those <laughs> one one day into watching Law and Order and then they, they, they go on and go on you become what you consume and that's why your circle is so, so important. You can measure the trajectory of a life. Young people, students, college students, teenagers, kids. You can measure the trajectory of your life just by looking at the people you spend the most time with, the people who you, the people in your friend's circle. You spend time with crazy people. Somebody's got an amen waiting to come out after this one. Some of you spent time with crazy people last night. And where did it land you? In a crazy situation. <laughs> you spend time with people who are chaotic. Do you know, don't raise your hand. Do you know any chaotic people? They're just always flying by the seat of their pants and chaos, like this cloud of chaos seems to follow them everywhere. I'd be lying if I said I never was like that in my life. You, you hang out with chaotic people, and do you know what you're going to end up with in your life? Chaos. Chaos. You, you spend time with the drama queens? <laughs> or, or kings? <laughs> I'm getting back into it. You got to give me a little grace. You're going to end up with drama all the time. You spend time with ambitious people, you're gonna end up being ambitious. You spend time with fun but irresponsible people, you're gonna have some fun, but you're gonna let some responsibilities that are really important slip in life too. And conversely, you spend time with encouraging people, 
And not only will you be encouraged, but you'll end up being an encourager to other people. You spend time with healthy people. Do you know what you're going to find? The health, your health, whether it's physical or emotional or mental or spiritual, you're going to have more health in your life. Like, I don't... I don't know how much I have to sell this or convince you of it. I feel like maybe we all get it, right? Like your circle really matters and it is a huge dictator to predict the trajectory of your life. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says this. It says, walk in the way of the wise and become wise. How many of you are doing that this weekend? Associate with fools and get in trouble. I've spent way too much time on that side of that verse. So my question is, I have two questions for you. One is, what are you inviting into your life unintentionally because of who you're spending time with, because of your friend circle? What have you been inviting into your life and then maybe not even happy about it? Why, why is my life filled with so much drama? Why am I so stressed? Why am I so, feel so crazy and busy? What have you been inviting into your life unintentionally just because of the people that you have allowed in your circle? Because your circle has great influence in your life. And then the other question I have for you is this, and maybe this would have been a better question to ask first. Who's in your circle? Now, I'm not asking that like aspirationally. I mean like actually in your circle. See, these are things we don't spend that much time thinking about, these kind of things we don't pay attention into in life because we're just going through the day-to-day and the motions and we're just doing all the stuff we have and we don't stop to self-reflect and think about the relationships we have, even though those relationships are some of the most important things, the most influential things in our lives. What and who? What have you been inviting into your life unintentionally and who is actually in your circle? I don't care If you spend a couple minutes just jotting that down in your notes or typing it into your phone, like spend a little bit of time reflecting on who's in your circle. Just don't hand your influence away. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. It says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. I can't tell you how many times I have ignored that verse as my father has said it to me. And I won't tell you how much trouble I have gotten into. (laughs) Because I have ignored that verse, we don't want it to be true, but it is, and it will prove to be true every day of your life. You can start with good character, but your circle can corrupt it while you're not even paying attention. We wonder how we get stuck in situations and circumstances that are difficult or messy or chaotic or troubling. We wonder how we end up in these situations, and a lot of it falls back on who we allow to be in our circle. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1 through 12 is this amazing passage, and I've preached this from many different angles, but I don't think I've ever preached this 
from this angle of your circle. I just want to read it for you, but then I'm going to like, I think sometimes we read scripture and the words just kind of like pass over us and we let them pass over us without actually thinking about or imagining what's really going on. Let me just read it to you and then I want to talk about this story a little bit. It says, a few days later, Jesus entered Capernaum and the people had heard he had come home. They, they, word is out that Jesus is healing people. He's doing some miraculous stuff. Like the buzz is out there. This Jesus guy has got some pretty incredible things that he's doing, some pretty incredible things that he's saying. It's early in the story of his ministry, so not everybody gets the full picture. For crying out loud, the disciples don't even all get the full picture yet. There's still a lot of learning to do about who Jesus is, but for sure the buzz is out there that Jesus is doing incredible things and saying some incredible things, and people likely are starting to wonder if this is the Messiah, the Savior that they have been, been anticipating. It says in verse 2 that they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now that's some church, right? Like there's some, that's a crazy, you're not waiting outside to get in. I don't care how good the message is or the series or the graphics or the music. Like nobody here is gonna sit outside and wait to get in like in some line or be peeking in the windows and we gotta like raise the shades or <laughs> take those, you know, like nobody's, nobody's that. This, this is crazy church, like packed house church. People cannot get close enough. It's like claustrophobia. It's like, stop breathing on my neck. It's like, please don't talk that close to me anymore. Crowded. And here all these people are listening to Jesus as he's teaching and preaching to them about the kingdom and about his father and about what he has come to do. It's an incredible scene. Packed house, people waiting in the streets, the buzz, electric Everybody's excited to be at church. Everybody's probably also a little annoyed because, like, it's we like it when we can spread out, you know. And here they are, right? Like, having this church service. And then there were some men, it says in verse 3, they came bringing to him, to Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, sons, your sins are forgiven. Now this is crazy and powerful. It's one of those stories that like the Sunday school lessons cannot do it justice. You just heard that and I read it like, oh, yeah, just some guys, you know, doing their thing grabbing a mat, carrying their buddy, bringing them into this crowded place, and, oh, it's too many people, so let's just put them through the roof. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if you get, like, how intense this scene would have been. These guys get to this place where Jesus is teaching, and they are like, I mean, first of all, what had they heard? They had heard that Jesus had been healing people with leprosy and people with 
diseases and people who had been blind. They had heard all these stories about Jesus. And then they, these guys had this friend who had been paralyzed. And, and I don't know if you understand what it was like for somebody who was paralyzed in this day and this age and this culture. But this person was likely left on the side of the street or carried to the side of the street, maybe by these same guys every day, where he would beg and plead for money to help him get along through his existence. There's no mention of where his parents are. There's no mention of his siblings. I don't know if this guy is alone, but it certainly seems like all he's got maybe is this Matt and these friends. These friends, though, had heard something about Jesus. They had heard these stories. And somewhere, maybe it was just one of them, maybe it was all of them got together, but they were like, hey, what if? It's a powerful question in life, the what if questions are really powerful in life. What if? What if we got Joey, not his real name, <laughs> on this mat and we took him over? I heard Jesus is preaching, you know, on 2nd Street and Maple. Not, not a real street. Well, it's a real street in Cresona. It's, I don't think it's a real... I don't think he's a real street in Capernaum. <laughs> what if we got him over there and maybe, just maybe, just maybe, who knows, Jesus will heal our friend. So they get together, enough guys to carry him, friend, helpless to help himself. They put him on the mat, they carry him over, and then maybe the initial disappointment leaks in when they see the large crowd and people waiting outside, and immediately, you know, there's one friend who's always, like, optimistic, and there's one friend, probably in your circle, who's always, like, a bit of a pessimist and a bummer, and that, that one friend was probably like, oh, dude, man, like, are you serious right now? What are we going to do? We better, I guess we got to pack it up and go home. It's too crowded. And then you had that one friend who was like, no, man, I got an idea. And they're like, what's that idea? Let's go up on the roof. You mean up on the roof with this paralyzed dude? That seems a bit irresponsible. No, no, hear me out. Like, let me tell you the whole story. We're just, we're going to go up on the roof. We'll get him up on the roof with us, and then we'll dig through the roof. Have you lost your mind? That roof is two to three foot thick of mud intermixed with sticks and packed tight to prevent water and whatever else was going on in their weather system from getting into the house two feet thick. I don't even want to shovel two feet of topsoil, let alone packed clay with sticks in it. I didn't bring my gloves, you know, like what do we... What are we going to do? Bummer. They, they decide, though, that they're, gonna, they're in this together. They take their friend up onto this roof, and they start digging and clawing. And there's no big drill bit on one of those things that goes up and down, you know. Like, there's no, they're like just, to what lengths would these guys go for a friend? What lengths do you go to for your friends. The people downstairs, they were all like, mm, Jesus. Some of them are like you guys, like, scribbling. It's like three of you. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, they're doing church. 
Maybe some of them are thinking of their grocery list. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. Listening to Jesus, but happy to be there in the room. And then all of a sudden, like, a little dirt falls from the ceiling and catches somebody right in the back of the neck. And they're like, and they're looking at the person behind them, right? Like, what'd you do to my neck, man? This guy back here. You know, a little distraction. And here's some, like, noise, and then more dirt's falling through the ceiling. Can you imagine this packed house while Jesus is teaching? Jesus, I wonder, I wonder, and I don't know if this is true or not, just my imagination. I wonder if he smirked a little bit as he kept preaching, knowing what was going to go down in front of everybody right now. Talk about beating any sermon in the world. What they were about to experience was insane. They keep digging a little bit. They're willing to disrupt the norm for their friends. They're willing to go extra for their friends. They don't care what other people think. All they care about is doing what's best for their friend, which is getting their friend in front of Jesus. They don't have sermons for him. There's no spiritual advice they're given on the way up. Nobody's shouting bumper, bumper Christian theology, bumper sticker Christian theology at him like it's going to be all right. All things work out together for the good of those who love him. We're going to go up on the roof now, right? Like all they can think about is what do we have to do for our friend? What's it going to take? For my friend to get in front of Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to be fixed. I don't know if it's going to be better. But I'm here for all of it. Whatever. However it rolls. We're going to be his ride or die. Right now, in this moment. Clawing through the roof. People downstairs getting angry now. Who would dare disrupt our church service Dirt's falling everywhere, I imagine. Like, and finally they break through and chunks of mud and stick and debris are falling into this house. There goes the linoleum, right? Like, <clears throat> people are mad. You know they're, people get mad when you come in and you think someone is sitting in your seat. <laughs> it's not your seat. <laughs> right? The music's a little too loud, or where's the drummer? Can you imagine how angry people are? There's Jesus, and then eventually the hole is wide enough, and the people have cleared out in their anger or confusion or whatever, willing to disrupt what is normal for their friend. They lower down this man. I imagine they climbed down too, unless they were all peeping through the hole in, the, in there. Maybe, I don't know. And Jesus looks at all of them. And then he looks at the paralyzed guy. And he says something that'll mess up your theology. He says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, now he would not have forgiven their sins. It takes personal faith. So this guy had personal faith too, to some measure, enough for that Jesus would see it, acknowledge it. But it is so interesting that in the inspired 
Word of God, it says, when Jesus saw their plural faith, he said to the paralyzed man, sons, your sins are forgiven. And by the way, the Pharisees complain about the whole thing, and Jesus says to them, what's harder for me to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? And then he looks at him, and he says, get up and walk. And the guy leaves the mat in the house. That's the least he could do, really, after putting a hole in their roof. And he walked out. We need friends in our circle like these guys. It's a dramatic scene, great lengths, don't care about what people think. Here's, here's some characteristics of people that you need in your circle. Number one, that I, that I pull from these guys. You need people who, one, really see you. There are countless stories of people who are suffering some sort of infirmity in Scripture in the New Testament who are passed by by the masses, people going to and fro and not paying, I just said to and fro, and not paying any attention. That's a first, and now I feel really old. <laughs> so, uh, just want to note that. Um, there's countless stories where Jesus is the only one who really paid attention. Jesus stops and says, what can I do for you? Where, where people just like, they were part of the scenery of life. You, you don't need to be part of the scenery in somebody's life. You need people who really see you. That includes, and this is the scary part, really seeing your need. But we spend so much time isolating and closing off and not talking about it and hiding what's really going on in our hearts and the real big questions, the real big needs. You need people who see through your junk, who three, see through your protection, who see through your games, who see through your avoidance, and they see the real you, your real strengths and your real weaknesses. They see you and your real need and your real fears. You need people in your circle that see you. These guys, they saw them. They knew. They saw the need. They saw Jesus. They heard the stories. They were attentive, and they were ready. Number two, you need people in your circle because everybody needs people in their circle that will pick you up and carry you. I know you're strong and you think you can handle it by yourself or figure it out by yourself, but you will, like all of us do, come to a point where you realize that your circumstances outweigh your ability. Your situation is greater than your skill set. It happens to all of us in life. Maybe these reminders are allowed into our lives to remind us that not only do we need God to help see us through, but we need the people that God has placed in our lives to help pick us up and carry us. There will be a time where you are paralyzed by fear where you are paralyzed by your anxiety, where you are paralyzed by your depression, where you are paralyzed by your questions, where you are paralyzed by your circumstances, where you are paralyzed and you can't get up and go and you need people in your circle who are willing to pick you up and carry you when you can't pick yourself up or carry yourself. Here's the third characteristic I pull from these guys that I need in my circle. Do you need these in your circle? You need somebody who will set the table for good things to happen in your life. 
They didn't do the good thing. Jesus did the really, really good thing. They set the table for it. I need people in my life that set the table for me in life, that, that will set the table for really good things to happen, to happen in my life. They'll invite me to the places I need to be. They'll be there for me. They'll care for me. They'll check on me. They'll check me when I need to be checked. They'll call me out on my garbage. They will not let me just tell stories about how I'm frustrated with life or people. Instead, they will look for the truth, but they will also be able to point to the areas in my own life where I have been fooling myself and been blind. I need people who will set the table for good things to happen in my life. The fourth thing I think I pull from these guys that I need in my circle is I need people that will believe for me in the spaces where I struggle to believe. We all struggle. I know we come to church and we put smiles on, even if you're fighting all the way into the parking spot. Where, where should we park? Follow the guy in the green shirt. No, no, I want to go over here. <laughs> we all put it, dress it up and act like we have it all together spiritually. But there are times in life where everybody struggles. There are certain parts of life everybody struggles in. Part of faith is struggling. It's a struggle. So we need people that will believe for us in the spaces where we're struggling to believe. They'll pray for us in the areas where we're struggling to pray. They'll stand for us in the areas we're struggling to stand. We need people in our circle who will believe for us even when you can't see it. I'm so glad. I don't know how, how big their faith was. Maybe it was little to start and grew as they went on the journey. It seems reasonable. But here, at the start of this thing, somebody in that circle said, what if? The small birth of faith on behalf of their friend. We also need people, and maybe this is the most important thing in our circle, that show us Jesus. They show us Jesus in what they say, but maybe even more importantly, they show us Jesus in how they love us, and what they do, how they speak truth to us. We need people in our circle that their agenda in our circumstances, in our situation, is not to spout off their opinion but to show us what Jesus would do in that situation. We need people in our circle that set that table up for us, that take us to church, that dig us through the roof, that will put us in situations where we are face to face with the one who can really save us. Isolation isn't the answer to your trouble, and neither is having a bad circle. Jesus rewards the faith of this entire circle in this passage, which is incredible because the blessings in your life sometimes come from your faith. But sometimes the blessings you experience in life just come because of the faith of your friends. Isn't that a powerful thing to think about? So here's three takeaways. One, be aware 
and intentional about who's in your circle. Pay attention to the voices that you have been surrounding yourself with. Pay attention to the vibe at work. Be aware of who you have been allowing to influence you, probably without even paying attention to it or recognizing it, who are in your circle. Be aware and then be intentional about who is in, and I'll say it now, you might not like it. I get it. I don't like it either, especially if you're a student, you might not like it. Be intentional about who's in your circle and be intentional about who's out of your circle. Listen, you can be friends with them without having them be in your circle. Be aware and be intentional. Second thing is when life gets rough, you gotta open up, lean into, and draw your circle in tight. Those are the people that you have identified, that you know are good and showing you Jesus, that have all those characteristics. Those are the people you wanna invite close. And last, be that kind of friend. You have great influence in the lives of the people you are around. Don't waste it. Use your influence for their good. Be the kind of friend you want in your circle. Be that encourager, that emotionally healthy, that spiritual healthy person who keeps showing other people Jesus and how you live. Listen, I don't know who's in your circle, but I have a suggestion for you. My suggestion before I end is this today during the first song. I don't care. While I pray, pop out your cell phone. Think about who is in your circle of influence and just text them, thank you. Thank you for being an encouragement or thank you for being a part of my circle. Thank you for praying for me. If, if there's a specific circumstance that has been like huge where somebody carried you when you couldn't carry yourself, thank them for that. Somebody believed for you when you couldn't believe for yourself, thank them for that. Like take some intentional time this morning to strengthen up your circle. It is a huge predictor in how your life will go. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the friends you place in our lives and the people that you draw us into relationship with, but sometimes we are unaware of what we allow to creep into our lives. We're not paying attention to what we're allowing to influence us, and our relationships are so, so important. I pray that you would help some people solidify their circle, give people courage if there's somebody they need to kick out of their inner circle, give people courage if there's somebody they need to invite into their inner circle. Help us to just be wise. We don't want to live like fools. We know your way is better. We're so thankful for the people you have placed in our lives who have encouraged us, who have blessed us, who have been the voice of hope and light and truth when we needed it most. We're so thankful. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.